Last weekend, we started a series called How to Be Fearless in Uncertain Times. I don't think anybody is questioning, are we in uncertain times or not? I'm not saying end times, maybe end times, hopefully end times, but uncertain times, nobody's going to sit here and argue with me that we are definitely in uncertain times. And then you have the comment, uh, should we be fearless during these times? And if we are in these times and God wants us to be fearless, has he given us any tools on how to be fearless? Fearless. Is there any direction? Is there any command? Is there any roadmap on what we can take and hang on to if we're going to be fearless in uncertain times? And as we saw last weekend, um, yes, there is. And we're working through one chapter, and it's chapter 11 in Hebrews, the champions of faith, the heroes of faith, people who lived in extremely uncertain times and overcame the uncertain times with strength, power, and complete, I would even say, fearlessness. And therefore, we'll ask the question, well, what did they have? Because if they had it, maybe we can have it. If they had it, maybe we can have it. Is there something in the Bible that is going to offer us strength, fearlessness in uncertain times? And I would say that absolutely there is, and it's found in this chapter. Number one in our notes, to be fearless in uncertain times, you need to understand what faith gives you. Whenever we start talking about faith, um, it's always something handed to us. There's always something that is going to come our way. And uh, when we're looking at um, different commands that God even gives us, and you open up the Bible, I will tell you that you should open up the Bible with expectations. Uh, We uh, live in this world with expectations. We're always wanting something to come our way. Give me, give me, give me, give me is literally the cry of the human heart. I need, I need, I need, I need. Provide, 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 provide. I have to have, I have to have, I have to have, is the cry of the human heart. We even came here this morning. As we come in here this morning, you don't want to leave empty-handed. I'm sorry, you just don't. And I wouldn't expect you to leave empty-handed. Why? Because I could open up the Word of God and say, there's something in it, let me hand it to you. So if you left empty-handed, you're like, oh, I don't think I'll come back next week. We're always saying, give me, give me, give me, because we are people in need, in need, in need, in need, in need. Well, right now, we're in uncertain times, and as we are walking through these uncertain times, what do we need to get us through? There's champions in the faith, and as these champions in the faith under Hebrews chapter 11, is they weren't looking to survive the day. They weren't saying, God, please just help me to get through the day. God, please help me just to get through the week. God, please just help me to get through this situation. God, please just help me to get through the year. They weren't weren't looking at that. You know what they were looking at? Is they were looking at death in the eye and said, bring it on. Whatever it takes. I just want the power to overcome absolutely anything. They were looking at death in the eye and said, bring it on. They were looking at their situation. They said, how can I be fearless? No matter what the situation brings, whether it brings death, martinism, whatever takes place tomorrow, I just say, bring it on, and I want the power to be able to maintain. I want the power to be able to persevere. There were people who went through life with complete rest when the entire world fell apart. The entire world would fall apart, and it's like, well, that's all right. My heart hasn't fallen apart. I haven't fallen apart. My structure hasn't fallen apart. I'm, I'm literally okay. I can survive. They would look at the entire world being messed up, and they still carried a peace. The answer is they had faith. 
And faith gave them something so strong, so powerful, that they could literally overcome just about anything. What is it? What is it? What did faith give them that made them persevere, give them rest, give them peace, and allow them to survive? Before we talk about what it gives them, because I will tell you that's what the notes are. The next five notes are literally, this is what faith gives you, and it is what gave them to allow them to persevere and survive. But before we get into that, I want to bring up, what does faith not give you? What does faith not give you? And the reason why is because this faith has so many different nuances, is that we can take this faith a different way very fast. We hold on to this faith, and we can take it a different way very fast. Let me tell you what it does not give you. It does not give you what you want from this world. I'll tell you that um, many religions, churches, many um, even countries have sold on to the gospel, which is literally the Bible spoken in Christ Jesus. And they're hanging on to it. It says, if you ask, you can have absolutely anything. If you need money, come to church. Because if you ask, and you ask with this power called faith, it will provide money. In fact, if you want peace, if you want health, it will take place. God doesn't want anybody in here unhealthy. And since he doesn't want anybody in here unhealthy, all you need to do is ask with faith and health will be restored to you. You know, is that correct? Well, there will be one day that you will be so unhealthy you're going to die. <laughs> so what is the point? Is it going to give you, you know, something that just allows you to live longer? That's what healing literally is. It's something that allows you to live longer, but we can easily get in our mindset this is a situation I want right now, and I want it right now from the world, and if I do it with faith, I get it. That's not biblical faith. And the reason why it's not biblical faith is because it will not get you through hard times. The reason why is because as long as you get it, you're happy, and as long, if you don't get it, you're mad, you're angry, you doubt God's existence, you wonder if you're even loved by God, because you just built a relationship on God of what you can get from him rather than what he has given you. I am not God's God, but we can easily take the word faith and make God my, or make me, make, I am not God's God. I got to say this right. I am not God's God to tell him what to do, what to accomplish, where to go, and what I want, and he better do it or I'll hate him in the, response, in the response of it. The word faith has driven many people towards that direction. And as a result, we live in a world with people, and in a church, where a lot of people do not like God because he did not provide them what they wanted. Faith also does not give you super, um, supernatural power to accomplish anything that you desire at God's command. It's just, it's just not. Faith does not give you supernatural power to accomplish anything at God's command. Again, I am not God's God. God is my God. He is not, I'm not God's God. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say that right. Um, so we've easily taken the word faith and said, if I have faith, I can cast out all the demons in the world. I can look at you and heal you. I can look at you and I can accomplish so much. And the reason why is because I have faith. I've seen somebody do it before. Somebody says, if you want to be healed, come to the front. And when somebody came to the front and then a healing would take place because of my faith, because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, healing must happen. Then all of a sudden, if the healing does not happen, it's not the pastor's fault. It's because they didn't have enough faith. Because the pastor has enough faith 
Do you see it really mixes the word up? Faith does have a lot of different nuances. It does, but we've got to find out exactly what faith gives you because what faith gives you will drive you a direction and it could be a right direction or it could be a wrong direction. We're gonna read the passage and when we read the passage, we'll pull out the five different things that faith gives you specifically in this passage. So let's just read it and then let's work through it. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when he warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith." Great champions, what did they have to look in the eye of this world and literally say, I can survive anything? Number two gives us the first answer. Faith gives you commendation. Faith gives you commendment. It's not necessarily a word, but faith gives you commendation. And that is a word that says, I will give you praise. I will give you Glory, I will give you opinion. I will give you desire. This word commend is all the way through this entire passage. Let's look at it. This is what the ancients were commended for. All of a sudden, the ancients were commended, and what were they commended for? They're commended for their faith by who? By God. I'm being commended. Hebrews 11, 1 through 7, or 2 says, This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abel was commended as a righteous man. Enoch was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does this word commend mean? I will tell you that almost in every single translation, there's a different word that goes behind commendment. The NIV says commend. The King James Version says obtained a good report. Think about that. From who? I obtained a good report from God. NASB says, gained approval. Now, the reason why I don't think that's a great translation is because it is a consistent word that you consistently get. It is a word that keeps progressing. So you didn't just gain approval and you're done. You're consistently gaining approval in the process of your faith. And by who? By God. The word means praise, get approved, congratulate, compliment, You're doing an absolutely amazing job by who? By God, literally saying those words. Well, we could say, well, where's their power in that? Well, I'll tell you what's going on in the human life and the human being is that when we sinned back in the Garden of Eden and sin was plugged into our nature, there was something that took place, and that thing was shame. And what is shame? Shame is a heart cry, am I good enough? 
Will I be okay? I'm not okay and I need to feel okay, therefore I will ask you if I'm okay, and if you tell me I'm not okay, it will make an impact on me. If you tell me I am okay, then it'll make a good impact on me. And we all, every person, every day, is walking around this planet saying, I want to be approved, I want to be okay, I want to feel right, I want to feel good, and we get as much money as we possibly can get Because if we have a bank account that is completely full, then we can look and say, I am okay. But then you don't feel like you're okay, even with a big bank account. If you can have a power, if you can have position, if you can have a good family, if we just walk into church, have this wonderful family, and everybody in church look, say, oh boy, that is such a nice looking family. Then you can say, I am okay. We live, all of us, every single one of us, live for approval. We are starving for approval, because we automatically have shame on the inside. Raising kids, this is just kind of a, a little piece of advice. This is what my wife and I did, and, and uh, I'll tell you that I don't know where we read it or what we got it, but um, the way we raised our kids is that um, we have to commend them. We have to compliment them. We have to tell them how wonderful they are, and the reason why we have to tell them how wonderful they are consistently is because children, as they're being raised, will travel to where they succeed. And if your parents parents are saying, you are amazing at this, they will actually go literally that direction. And if you tell your child, stop doing this, you're not doing very good at this, they will actually stay away from that direction. There is such a power in commitment that you can literally even control personalities. You have power to influence people. You have power to make people. You have power to build people because everybody is starving for that. We ask the question, all these rebellious teenagers, why are children rebellious? Why are people going through rebellious um, during that age? And the reason why people are going being rebellious during that age is because they have a heart cry inside of themselves that is so deep that literally says, I am no good. I cannot succeed. And I will tell you that rebellion comes out because they look at their parents and as they observe their parents, my parents don't think I'm I'm good. That's why they put all these rules and restrictions and, and all these things in me. There's just a heart cry. I read somewhere that every single girl in every single high school, at every single junior high age, says that I am fat. It's just just in there. It is so ingrained into every person. Every boy says, literally, I am not good enough, and I'm not in a position enough. We are starving for approval. We are starving for approval, and it comes within our nature, our sin nature, that has literally taken place. What did these ancients have. These people that carried this faith, they received commitment from the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're good. I praise you, encourage you. I approve you. I congratulate you. You're absolutely amazing. You are mine. You are mine. And what it was doing is impacting the deep cry of their heart of, I'm not approved. And they all of a sudden turn their mind, if I'm approved by God, I don't care what this world says. If I'm approved by God, it doesn't make a difference on what everybody else thinks about me. And then they were martyred. Whenever somebody was going to martyr somebody, if you ever read the book of martyrdom, they just asked one question. 
Just, just one question. And the reason why they asked one question is because they knew that a Christian with faith would die if they gave an answer that they didn't want. So they didn't ask a lot of questions. They just asked this one question. This is kind of how it went. A martyr would look at somebody who was wanted to kill, somebody he wanted to tear in front, in front of the amphitheater, and this is kind of how he thought. The martyr says, you are not okay with me. You are not okay with our government if you are okay with God. Therefore, deny God, and I will accept you. Refuse to deny God, and I will rip you in half. And do you know what a martyr had in his eyes? As long as God, I'm approved by God, I don't need to be approved by you. As long as I'm approved by God, I do not need to be approved by you. There is something that is so deep in regards to faith that I am approved by God because of what Christ has done for me. And since I am approved by God, I don't have to do everything I can in this planet to be approved by everybody else. That's why we're consistently reading through passages. Don't be approved by man. Be approved by God. Because it is the backbone that when the entire world falls out from underneath you, when the entire world falls apart, you can just hold on to the concept. I need to have faith. He's commending me. He's commending me. He's commending me. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And the one that you are worshiping, the one you are giving praise to, is literally giving you praise. Praise to those who should have praise is the most powerful thing you can possibly have. And these people had it. They understood the concept of it. Number three, faith gives you logical insight on how things function. I want to read the passage and work through it because it is a passage, just a verse, that can get um, confusing, but I'll explain what it says. It says, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. One word I want to look at, I'll look at two words, but the first word I want to look at is understand. We have the word faith, and as soon as the word faith comes out, a lot of people say, well, it's a mystery. It's it's walking with the unknown. Um, Faith is beyond logic. Faith is beyond something that I can grasp. That word, understand, literally wipes out that theology. By faith, we understand. Understand carries an extreme amount of power. Let me give you a story that kind of proves that. Friday night, last Friday night, my daughters came home at 2 o'clock in the morning. They were out having a good time. And uh, what were they doing, you might ask? What was your preacher's girls doing Well, what they were doing is they had friends, guy, boy, friends, that were um, camping. And when these guys were camping, they were camping way out in the boondocks. And uh, it was an hour and a half drive from our house all the way up in the foggy gravel road to the top of a mountain where these six guys are completely, completely isolated from the entire world with absolutely nothing there but them and, of course, the wilderness. So my three girls, I say three girls because I have two daughters and a niece. My niece is 15, my daughter is 16, and my other daughter is 19, said, let's go scare them. So they literally drove up at 9.30 at night, got home at 2.30 in the morning, drove up at 9.30 at night all the way up to the top of this mountain. And when they drove all the way up to the top of this mountain, they parked so the, the boys could not see them. 
And, and then they got out of the car, and they snuck really close to the boys. And when they snuck really close to these six boys, they were seeing them by the campfire, and they wanted to make this good. So as they were seeing them by the campfire, they took out their iPhone. And they took out their iPhone, and they had a Bluetooth speaker that stood next to them. And when they took out their iPhone, they turned to YouTube, and they pushed this button right here. Those six boys got in the Jeep. <laughs> they all crammed in this tiny little Jeep sitting on top of each other's laps. And as they were doing that, my daughters were having a time of their life. Let's look at this thing in perspective. As long as the dark is out there and we understand everything is okay, we are not emotionally moved. But when we understand that something might not be okay, we react aggressively, our blood pressure goes up, our passion goes up, and we run like crazy in regards to the topic of literally understanding. Understanding is powerful. It will move you, it will send you, it will make you, it will drive you. Understanding is the first word. The next word I want to look at this a sentence because we're going to put it all together is the word formed. Read this. By faith we understand that the universe was formed. Now, what is the word formed? I will tell you that again in translations we have all different things. Formed is prepared, is fit, is restored, is joined together. That's what formed means. But what's interesting is after you hear the word prepared, formed, fit, joined together, they say that the word of God is what did it. We hear everywhere in the Bible that the word of God did what? Spoke things into being. This is a different word rather than speaking things into being. It is a word that says when I spoke things into being, I literally webbed things together. I put things together. I formed things together. Hebrews 11, let's read in the NASB, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared, formed, fit, restored, joined together by the word of God, so that what is seen, which is material, which is the material world, was not made out of things that were visible, were literally made out of the supernatural. So what is that verse saying? That verse is saying that the material world by itself does not make sense until you believe the supernatural. Everything is tied together, and the material world by itself does not make sense until you believe divine design. And once you believe divine design, that God created, everything will start falling in its place. Alistair McIntyre made an example. In his example, as he says, here, I have a radio. Look at this radio. I want to ask you the question, is this radio any good? And um, you would say, well, I don't know. We'll see if the radio is any good. I push the button, I talk, and then somebody talks back. I could try that with Jeff, but he's probably out there sleeping right now. But if I push the button, I talk, and then he talks back, I would be able to say what? That the radio is good. But if I take in a different valuation, and I say, no, it's not. And the reason why this radio is not good is because it doesn't open my garage door. 
I try to open my garage door with the radio, but it doesn't open, therefore this radio is no good. This radio is no good, and the reason why is because it won't hammer in nails. I try to hammer nails with this radio, and what it does is it starts breaking on all these ends, and it won't hammer in the nails. The radio is absolutely no good, and I would fight anybody that said it was good. And you would say, well, what do you mean? How would you, why would you fight me? The reason why we can say it is good or not is we have to see what it was made for. You have to give an evaluation on whether it's good or not in regards to what it was created for. You have to understand the radio's purpose before you can say, it's a good radio or it's not a good radio, because if you don't know the purpose of it, you're just going to try to hammer nails, and I will tell you the radio is absolutely no good. Well, ask the question, are human beings good? Are human beings good? The answer is, you have to first say, what are they made for? What is their purpose? What is their design? And the only way we can have a person's purpose and design is to believe that the material world was created by the supernatural. Otherwise, we can't put, make sense of this world. We cannot put this world together. We can't put any sort of understanding in this world at all until you say divine design. So we have, you know, said, many people say, well, evolution is, is the way it is. I mean, that's kind of where our world is functioning. But as many people are saying evolution is the way it is, does it answer the question to value? Does it answer the question to morality? Does it answer the question to ethics? Does it answer the question to emotions, to love? I will tell you that everybody is trying to understand what those are, and many books are written on, well, this is what we think. This is a theory of what we think. This is a theory of what we think. But every time you come up, if you do not believe in God, every time you come up with an answer, without believing God, without believing the divine design, then you have 20 more questions on top of that. You have 20 more questions on top of that. The only way you can make sense of the material world that you live in is to put God in the center of it. And then all of a sudden we can answer the question, I know what love is. I know exactly how my emotions are functioning in regards to when sin takes place in my life. All of a sudden, we are being completely and entirely educated by the world we live in because of this faith literally in God. And I go as far as to say that a 10-year-old boy who believes in Jesus, that Jesus died and Jesus rose and he is saved, understands more about this planet than a person who has studied it for the entire life and has rejected God. Because as long as you study, you get more and more questions that come if you take the supernatural out of it. So how does this allow us to look into this world, crazy world that we live in, and be fearless? Well, this is how it allows us to do it. Look at sin. When you see sin and the things that are taking place in this world, you can just literally say, I understand what is happening. I understand. I open the Bible, it talks about sin, and I see how sin has infiltrated individuals. I see how sin has infiltrated our country. The Bible literally des- describes it of what goes on and, and literally how it works. Look at some of the questions that we even do bring up. This is a question that we, that we often bring up. The government hates the church. The government hates the church. I've, I've read that many different directions, many areas. The government wants to shut down the church. And as we hear this, what has taken place in many people, many Christians, 
I will tell you that when you hear this, fear, anxiety, oppression, depression, the government hates the church. They want to shut us down. And all of a sudden, they are freaking out because they're watching it. And then we open up the Bible, and I mean, this doesn't even take faith. It says, the world hates you because it hated me. That's what Jesus said. So when you hear the world, you understand the concept that's coming our way. The world hates the church. The government hates the church. The government's trying to shut it down. Well, of course they are. And we even have an answer. And since we have the answer and understanding with that answer, we can just say, oh, that's all right. (laughs) Well, duh. I mean, that's what we are expecting to happen. Let's give you another one. The world is saying, we need to fight for peace. We need to stand up for world peace. Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible literally says that there is no peace in this world until selfishness is taken out of it. So good luck fighting for it. (laughs) So why are we so determined that we just got to have peace completely into this world? Well, the only way that we'll ever even start to even get peace is that, hey, I need to preach against selfishness and everybody needs to obey. Because if I preach against selfishness and everybody obeys, what's going to take place? A world of absolute peace. But see, as Christians, we can just relax and smile. Because we know why there's no peace. It's not government reform. It's not anything that's out there in this world that will do it except the selfishness of an individual heart. We understand that. Why? Because we put divine design inside the material world that we live in. We, uh, people are getting afraid. In fact, the, the news comes out and it'll tell you that it increases fear. Is that we are moving to a one world government. And uh, this is a process to, that we are doing. And I will tell you that when we think that we're moving to one world government, what is happening to Christians? It's like, oh no, anxiety, fear, oppression, depression. We've got to fight. We have to stop. We have a Bible. And do you know what the Bible says in Revelation? You will move to a one world government. If we're having prayer meetings against moving to a one world government, we are actually praying to God who literally ordained it. The reason why he said you're moving to a one world government is so we can look at moving into a one world government with a smile on our face, with peace, with joy, saying, I understand how this world functions because I know the end. I understand how this world works because I put the supernatural inside. It's okay if other people are afraid that we're moving to the one world government, but I'll tell you that there shouldn't be any fear in a single Christian. And the reason why is because it's been ordained by God, given to us for the purpose to say, get through it. Because what's going to happen at the end? I win. Another comment that we hear in our world is, the next thing that the government is going to do is put a chip in our arm. What should that make us do? It should make us smile. <laughs> that should just make us smile. You know, many, somebody said to me once before that... Uh, um, um, Living in this coronavirus will be something that we'll always be looking back at and telling our children and say, I live during that process. Well, you know what I would really like to do? Is I'd really like to look at my children and say, we are living in the process of the end days. And I will tell you that we're putting chips in our arm for the purpose of accelerating it. This is going to be good, and we are going to do it what? What? A smile on our face. Do what? Put the chip in? No, I'm not saying put the chip in. What I'm literally saying is we can be excited. We can be excited. 
because we know who wins and we have understanding of how the material world works because we see the end and we walk with God in faith. There is absolutely nothing on this planet that should fear a Christian. Nothing on this planet that should fear a Christian because he is anchored into the rock and he should, she should understand in this process. This is literally what God has provided us, and the word is faith. If you have faith in God, you should be relaxed. You should have peace. Fear should be taken away. You should have rest. You should have a smile on your face and say, we are literally going on a ride, not without God who is in control, but with God who is in control, and in the end, he wins. Number four, faith gives you favor with God and lasting purpose. Favor is literally salvation. You know, you talk about, talk about often how Jesus Christ is mentioned through the Old Testament. This has brought up a passage where Christ, Jesus is mentioned in the Old Testament. I'll just read the passage on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered a God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well with his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. Every time you come to God, I will tell you that it's an instinct that we need an offering. I mean, I don't think anybody ever approaches God not knowing that there is an offering. The majority of people that approach God want an offering of works. God, I'm going to do this, therefore can you give me this? It is an offering of work. I'm approaching God. I'm approaching the King of Kings. If you, if you think there's a God, if you approach God, you always bring an offering. This passage says that Abel brought an offering of sacrifice, and God says, I accept it. Cain brought an offering of vegetables, and then it was rejected. We are all going to bring an offering to God, but we want to ask the question, by faith, what is that offering going to be? Because whatever that offering is going to be is what will make you, is what will give you power, is what will give you strength, is what will make you fearless, what will make you relax. And what is this offering supposed to be? This offering is supposed to be a blood sacrifice, not from a lamb and not from a human, but from Jesus Christ, God made into man, the perfect sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. I did not deserve God. I did not earn God. I should not have God. But Jesus came to earth, lived the perfect life. When he lived the perfect life, he went to the cross in my stead and died for all of my sins. And when he died for my sins, he went to the grave and rose again. And he is a sacrifice that is sufficient that I could walk in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and his glory literally with that sacrifice. And God says, it's good. It's good. It's acceptable. You're not rejected. Faith gave the ancient people that. The sacrifice was accepted. And as long as I had God, I didn't need anything else, is what they carried in their system. But faith gives you favor with God with the sacrifice, and also gives you a a lasting purpose. If you believe in God, Jesus Christ, and you have accepted him as your King of kings and Lord of lords, everything you do matters for eternity. Every thought that you have matters for eternity. Every mission that you have with him matters for eternity. We see it in the passage. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. We're all starving for purpose. 
the people that were martyred, they had purpose in mind. Will God's name live as a result of being being martyred? And we can also say, will God's name live as a result of my life here on this earth? You see, there's a focus. And where does our focus need to be? It needs to literally be under the umbrella of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified. I'm saved as a result, and I'm going to live for him for the rest of my life. So not my name exists, but his name goes from generation to generation to generation as Abel still speaks today. Number five, faith gives you security. Sixteen years ago, um, God asked me to give away a promising career to, um, to preach. And when he asked me to give a promising career away to preach, I did not know how to do it. I only had three sermons under my belt. And I'm like, I don't know how to preach. I don't even like to read. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go. And I'm going to make a fast story, but God demanded that I sign up with not knowing how to do it. And I'm like, God, this is going to be crazy. And he's like, oh, yes, I think it is going to be crazy. So I signed up not knowing how to do it. And I failed, and I failed, and I failed. And I go through all these, these failures that have taken place. But there's, there's one man, one story that I will tell you that has encouraged me above all other stories in regards to preaching. In fact, this is a story that I read 16 years ago. And when I read it 16 years ago, it has always stuck with me that I'm just going to hang on to this no matter what takes place. And the story is about the worst preacher in the world. (laughs) Who is the worst preacher in the world? I mean, we can do evaluations. He might not be the worst, but I think he's the worst. Um, His name is Noah. Noah was a preacher for 500 years. And during 500 years, he had absolutely no converts. Everything that he said, giving the gospel, saying there is a God, you need to turn away from your evil, everybody rejected him. I just picture me being Noah. Everything I said falls on deaf ears and nothing is taking place. Nothing is happening. Nothing is good. I will tell you that if that happens to me, I, I, I would selfishly just want to quit. <laughs> Sorry, I need somebody to be saved. <laughs> For 500 years, nobody was saved under Noah's ministry. But he was faithful. He was faithful. He believed God was working in his faithfulness. Finally, God says, you're done preaching. Go build an ark. What does he do? He builds an ark. God wipes out the entire world of the flood. After he wipes out the entire world of the flood, we can look back many, many years ago. We can look back many, many years ago at after that flood and give Noah the credit for every salvation that's ever taken place on this entire planet because he's the one that started the lineage, kept the lineage going. Why? Because he was faithful. The way that I look at that story is God doesn't need you to make a large impact on earth for me to see. He just needs to be, me to be faithful. And if I'm faithful and I rest on my faithfulness, he's going to do absolutely whatever he wants, if I never see it or not. And that is Okay. Do you see that security is that I don't have to, we don't have to say, well, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Are we going to do what we're going to do? We just have to be faithful. And then God does the rest. Faith gives you literally a security because you don't do the work. He does. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, 
Noah, when he warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes where, by faith, God is always working. He is always working. And we can take security that, well, I just hope I'm on board with him and I'm faithful. Because if he's always working, he's always working through me if I'm faithful, even when I don't see anything, and also you. Number six, what faith gives you is what makes you fearless. You are commended by God. If you are commended by God, what should take place? There should be an excitement inside of your bones beyond all other, no matter what happens in the world. If God says, good job, good job, good job, good job, you can speak like David. He is all I need. If you are commended by God and you swallow that, you embrace it and you love it, excited will be your attitude. Logic, (laughs) what faith gives you, it gives you a logic of how the world functions. I will tell you that if you see how the world functions in faith, you can relax. You can just say, okay, it's all gonna work. I can relax. I know who wins at the end. I know how it works. I can relax through every situation. Favor with God. Everybody who has accepted Christ just have peace. Because when you believe in God and given the right sacrifice to him, which is the blood of Jesus Christ, God loves you. Not because of you, but because of him. And therefore, you can have peace. Faith gives you lasting purpose. Everything that I do is for the good and glory of God. Everything that works for good to those who love him from Romans is that we are in a purpose and that we can relax with that process. And then security we can rest that God is working even if you don't see it. That God is working even if you don't see it. These people that were martyred hung on to these things that faith gives you. And when they hung on to those things that faith gave them, they were strong enough to overcome. God, we just thank you for giving the tools of how to be strong. God, we thank you that the tools is under one word, one umbrella, which is called faith. Give us a deeper understanding of faith, God because we need to be stronger. We need to have more rest, more peace. We need to have more joy, no matter what the situations are. I just pray, God, that we will be people of faith so we can have it. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.